Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to an abbreviated version of Leading Off Podcast. I only know if I'm going to consider this a full episode at this point. Uh, we're just planning on doing a few minutes here. This is uh, Matt Braun, of course, here. And uh, we have... Uh, uh, who do we have over here? <laughs> yes, of course. Over here on the other side of the least controversial pro- podcast in Twins history, Cooper Carlson of Twins Daily. So, yeah, just a short version here. Uh, just, you know, playoff preview because that starts up. Tomorrow night, actually. So, oh, is yeah. it? I hadn't noticed. I hadn't noticed. <laughs> uh, you could really just expand that to the least controversial podcast of all time, uh, not yes. just in Twins history. This is just yeah, <laughs> pretty much how it goes. Anyways, uh, we just wanted to talk a little. Uh, we had talked before in the many, many episodes that have been uh, vanished into thin air. Uh, talk about the series preview because, of course, uh, playoff series. That's always huge. So. Uh, we're here just to drop a few minutes on talking about the Yankee series coming up. As you said, starts Friday. We have uh, the three announced pitchers, starting pitchers for the Yankees. We have one announced starting pitcher for the Twins. So uh, not a whole lot to work with yet. And they were, I mean, they said that they were going to wait to like the last second, like Friday morning to announce everything. They are dead serious about that right now because we have heard basically nothing regarding the roster. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I was hoping when we pushed this back to Thursday, we'd get, you know, everything we'd need to make this an episode talking about pitching matchups in the roster. But Rocco being Rocco isn't going to let us get anything here. So just speculation, mostly. Yeah. No fun. We do have game one. Definitely. Yeah, we got the the game one matchup, uh, Jose Barrios and James Paxton. Uh, not much of a surprise there. Uh, Paxton's the best pitcher on the Yankees. I think Barrios is the best pitcher on the Twins, uh, starting pitcher that is. I don't think that's a hot take. I did see some uh, Jake Odorizzi speculation. I really couldn't get along with that. I don't know about you. I, I'm full on like Jake Odorizzi for Game Three, not Game One. Um, I, yeah, we talked about this, and well, no one knows about it, but it was in our <laughs> recent podcast, and. We both kind of agreed we wanted to see a Barrios. I don't know if you saw on Dobnak for game two, but Barrios, Dobnak, Odorizzi. The only downside there is you'd be getting Odo for just one game, where if you would throw him in game one or two, uh, we you'd possibly be getting him for a game five. But the thing is, I mean, Odorizzi, he's a fly ball pitcher, home run prone, a full home run per nine over when he's pitching anywhere else against the Yankees, not in Yankee Stadium. Um, so it makes sense, but on the same line, I mean, this year, Barrios has given up, I think, nearly double the, well, at least 10 more homers than Odorizzi. And so, you know, it's based off, because Odorizzi's kind of a different pitcher this year as well, so it comes to, I mean, yeah, so, 
I was yeah. going to say, I got, the, I got the rate on that. So, Jake Odorizzi, home run per fly ball rate, 8.8%. Brios, 12%. Uh, do keep in mind, Brios, ground ball percent, 42.1%. Odorizzi, 35 Okay. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. that I guess that does it. So, Brios is the guy I would want in game one. We went over that before. Mm-hmm. And then, plus, when you start game three at home, I mean, Odorizzi, he was the best pitcher down the stretch, but Brio is... I'd say he's the best pitcher on the team still. Yeah, again, and I know I've, like, beaten this to death and everything we talked about, but, again, I'd probably go to upside. And uh, Brios' upside is just uh, higher compared to Odorizzi. Odorizzi is incredibly consistent. You're going to get five. You're going to get six quality innings. Beyond that, you're stretching. And beyond that, in the playoffs especially, you're not going to be getting that. Whereas Brios, on the other hand, he has a bit more of the burnout potential, but he also has the – it actually does go seven strong innings potential, which is uh, – that's what you look for in a game one starter. And that's kind of the same idea the Yankees went with. So uh, it's not not entirely different philosophies there. Yeah, and I talked about, you know, the home field statistics earlier a little bit, touched on it. But this year, Barrios has actually not faced the Yankees. But Odorizzi has twice. And at the start at Target Field, he went six shutouts. I mean, because, of course – or wait – was no, it? no, it was reversed. It was I got that wrong. He actually mm-hmm. in Yankee Stadium went six shutout, but at home he went four, gave up like what was it, nine earned runs? Oh, it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he is of course that's an extremely small sample size, so you have no idea what's going to happen. It was also during his roughest stretch of the year, so shouldn't read too much into that. And I like Barrios at home and get three. I mean, Odor is he? Odor is all right. Brios, Odor is he? Same, same thing, you know. Uh, <laughs> Interesting, uh, I just pulled up uh, Jacob Rizzi's splits on the year. Uh, ERA at home, 3.42. ERA on the road, 3.62. So not a mm-hmm. not a big drop-off there. And actually, if you look at Woba giving up, 2.98 at home, 2.78 away. So perhaps a little unlucky on the road. does look like his strikeouts dropped down a little bit. But uh, he was giving up on the road in 2019 a slugging percentage of 335. So this is – a now, granted, uh, Yankee Stadium is a bit of a different animal than any other given park on the road. You know, pitching in, uh, say, Comerica Park and pitching in Yankee Stadium, two very different things. However, they count the same this stat. But I don't think that should be ignored, that uh, over a fairly decent sample size, it's 74 innings away, 84 at home uh, this year, he's been slightly better on the uh, on the road, or at, le- at the very least comparable to the fact that there's not some obscene split. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I guess it just comes down to the Twins, you know, thinking they just have more trust in Brios in the end, I guess, because as you said, he's got more of a chance to just shut him down. As in, Odorizzi, you know what he's going to give you, but Brios is more of a wild card that can come out with extremely high upside, as you like to say. Oh yeah, I love as I like to say, as I love to say, <laughs> I love to say that. So there's that uh, Paxton versus uh, Brios for Game One. And then uh, game two, they have uh, Masahiro Tanaka going. Of course, the Twins haven't announced anyone. We theorized it's going to be Randy Dovnak at, you know, reading through the lines of uh, whatever, like, Darren Wolfson and all those guys tweet. It feels like Dovnak is going, but, of course, they're not going to announce it. And then game three, the Yankees already announced it's going to be Luis Severino. And, uh, of course, nothing from the Twins. We assume Motor is he. Uh, what's also interesting is that uh, Jay Happ will be coming out of the bullpen, and Fifi Sabathia didn't make the roster altogether. He said that uh, they gave him a shot in his shoulder, and it really wasn't doing anything. 
and uh, he's kind of just I it, it's kind of unfortunate to see actually because he's had such a great career, but uh, it's uh, he will be left off the roster. He will not be pitching in the ALDS. Yeah, and he would have been coming out of the bullpen, I think, because that's they kind of tried that at the end of the season, and well, they've got three starters that aren't 40 years old, left-handed, and which the Twins would probably do really well against. But speaking on that, actually, uh, James Paxton, game one. You know, if you're the Twins, you're kind of happy about that almost because you got Miguel Sano, you got Mitch Garver. You don't have to start Luis Arias. You can plug Scope in in his 917 OPS against lefties. You know, you can have the luxury of putting Arias on the roster and giving him an extra day. Your team had the like, greatest slugging percentage ever against lefties for a while. and I mean, that's pretty good matchup for the Twins. I, I thought they might go Tanaka, but they're sticking with their guy, Paxton. Sticking with their guy, and uh, he has had kind of a weird season. He started off well, and then in June and July it was just god-awful. Uh, in July, he gave up a slugging percentage of 645, which, I mean, hmm. uh, that's not good. But then he bounced back. August was a lot better, 3.57 ERA, and then in September, he has just melted faces. 1.05 ERA. Woba given up? Point one nine nine. So it has been quite the quite the story for Paxton. Uh, you said the Twins do match lefties, but if Paxton's pitching well, which it seems like he is, it might be a moot point. And it kind of just uh, we'll see how it goes. I don't know if you can look too much into any of those stats, uh, just because they're so extreme on both sides. Uh, uh, who knows? And uh, uh, I will say, righties hitting at Paxton uh, a bit uh, lower average compared to lefties. Lower OBP, but higher slugging. So uh, total WOBA given up to righties, uh, three point, uh, sorry, point three one six this year. So some interesting numbers. It doesn't seem like he's a typical lefty that gets murdered by righties, but when you throw in uh, the Twins just absolutely eating lefties for breakfast, having some more for lunch, and then finishing off the nice lefty for dinner this year, uh, it, it could mean something. Yeah, he also did allow 21 homers to righties and only two to lefties all season, and the twin strength does occasionally come in the long ball this season. They oh, have really? few. So. Really? <laughs> yeah, strange. So interesting. I, good. Yeah, I guess you know Paxton. He kind of had like a Odorizzi type season. Start off really well, cool down, like huge cool down, then get back on track. So mm-hmm. you know, picture Jake Odorizzi except a little better on the Yankees side, and there you go. But and, and left-handed. Uh, and left-handed. Yeah, <laughs> left-handed, throwing hard. He is uh, now. I do have to say because Paxton was a Mariner for a while, so I, I'm very well for him. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I I love seeing him pitch. I love watching him pitch. It was a shame when he got traded to the Yankees. I'm like, damn it, I don't want to root for that. Just because when he's on, it's literally just like the fastball's up in the zone. He's like, try to hit my fastball. You can't. Uh, the cutter. He's bearing the cutter down and in, and the, the curveball just falls off the table. And those are his three major pitches you're going to be looking at. If that's not happening, if command isn't fully there, then uh, it might be a rough time for him. But if that's happening, you can generally tell by the first inning or so, the Twins might be in for a long day. Uh, Yeah. And, I mean, hopefully Barrios can match him. There's a lot of talk about if Barrios can step up to the big stage because he's never really done it except for the 2017 wildcard game. But keep in mind, he did pitch in two All-Star games now. And was it the World Baseball Classic he pitched for as well? I think it was. Did he? I know Irvin Santana did one time, did he? I think Dan Hayes tweeted that out that it was one of those, you know, big tournaments. I think I think it's that, yeah. Huh. That's neat. So, uh, 
I don't know if I, I buy this whole, like, big stage narrative. Of course, it gets played up in the playoffs, and it gets played off, especially when you talk about the Yankees, but, yeah, I don't know how much of that is just noise. Yeah, and at the same time, a stadium full of 40,000 people screaming and throwing beer all over the place is also probably a bit intimidating, no matter how you look at it. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a little bit of an impact. It just depends on how much, so hopefully not yeah. much, but... Yeah, Twins will be facing Paxton Tanaka, who seems to almost always do pretty well against Twins. And then uh, Severino, who Twins faced in the 2017 wildcard, got him out in the first inning. But he's different now, not the same pitcher, not the same team, nothing the same there. So, yeah. and, But actually, he has only pitched 12 innings in the majors this year, so I don't know how they're going to utilize him, see how far he can go, or just like an opener-type three innings. I'm not sure. It's been a uh, well. It's interesting. Uh, bring up Severino. I guess we talk about him now. He's kind of the wild card here, uh, just because they said twelve major league innings. He suffered a lot of injuries this year. He's gone through a lot of uh, rehab, a lot of setbacks. Uh, but from what we've seen so far in the twelve innings, it seems like his stuff is back. How much his control is back will kind of be up there. And I believe, top of my head, his last outing, he threw about eighty to ninety pitches. So uh, however long, you know, however far that can take them. It will kind of be it, but like you said, that'll be uh, important uh, for their bullpen especially. And game three, that's going to be uh, after the off day, so they're going to have a decent amount of rest there. So don't don't be surprised if there's a quick hook of some sort, if uh, there's some shenanigans regarding that. So Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that's the pitching side. Do you want to touch on the, <laughs> just, you know, the roster, what we think of going to happen there? Well, uh, so I don't know if you, you heard about this, but there's a, there's a home run race apparently regarding two teams. Uh, it's completely like <laughs> went by me, just went right over my head. I didn't even notice. But, yeah, yes, the – and I've mentioned this before. I, I thought that both teams are awfully similar. And how they've uh, – yeah, that was, a weird, that was a weird burp I just said. But uh, they're awfully similar in how they're built and how they've played so far this year. Uh, so much so that uh, Team WRC Plus for the Yankees on the year – 117 for the Twins, 116. Uh, so pretty much negligible there, but still uh, pretty notable that they're similar. And I also pointed out in my preview, which is up on Twins Daily, go read it, uh, that uh, the Yankees have done this also while suffering an awfully large amount of injuries. Aaron Judge missed times. Giancarlo Stanton has like 70 plate appearances. Didi Gregorius has 82 games played, and Edwin Encarnacion has been going through this, like, odd, questionable, weird injury recently. It sounds like he'll be on the roster, but he's kind of – he hasn't played in a while, so who knows. And so when you look at those numbers, and then you look at – who's met, oh, and also Aaron Hicks is out the year. He will not be playing in this series, uh, which, thank God, because we all know what would have happened when you have an ex-twin playing. Uh, yeah. Uh, although I suppose we've already seen that this year, haven't we? But, <laughs> It's been in guys like Giovanni Urshela, guys like Cameron Maven, guys like Mike Ford who have just stepped up and then just suddenly been like, all right, they're good now, so that's cool. And this is a uh, – much like the Twins, this is a, a lineup that has depth. It's a lineup that has a lot of strength. And uh, it's a lineup, really, there are no breaks. Once you get – seven, eight, nine isn't going to be cheap at all. Yeah, definitely. It, I mean, it's, you know, like the Twins lineup. It's also just stacked and – I love the uh, perception of Didi Gregorius of being this huge impact player just because when he faces the Twins, he has a 2.418 OPS, but this oh year's OPS God. against everyone else. Yeah, no, it's horrible. 
but his season OPS is just 718, but he's like just this huge player that we think of, but no, he's, he's you know, T.D. Gregorius, but nope, he's out here. Just being a, <laughs> just a, a monster against the Twins, and there's no doubt that he's absurd. I fear no man more than I fear that guy. It's I, true. Like, <laughs> it is It is like cartoonish how much he just destroyed. I mean, you had the wild card home run. Uh, you had, mm-hmm. the, He had a grand slam against them this year, I know. He had a grand slam against them last year. Uh, this year, I think he went, what, like five for five or four for five or something? And it was like someone finally got him out, and you're like, holy shit, that's legal? What, you can do that? <laughs> it, it, it honestly is at the point where it's a miracle. I don't know why, why or if, like, I don't know what the Twins did to him, but apparently he just hates them. And, yeah, like I said, this year, uh, not a great year so far, 84 WRC+, plus, not even uh, one more over those 82 wow. games. So, yeah, uh, this is coming off the backs of two straight F4 seasons, or four F4 seasons, which is very good for a shortstop. Hmm. So to see that, and you're just like, okay, well, maybe he's still hurt. But it's not going to matter because he's just going to demolish whoever we sent out there. The game, <laughs> so, I mean, it, or, what's the point? What's the point? <laughs> Yeah, he's 8 for 10 on the year with 10 runs batted in, and he was the batter when Tyler Duffy threw the nasty curveball with full count or two strikes and didn't get the call, and then hit the RBI double to take the lead, I think, and it's an exciting game. I'm, all right, I'm getting triggered right now in the middle of the day. This should not be happening. Oh, I forgot. Uh, I, I, don't, I like, blocked that from my memory. I just don't. Yep. Yeah, oh, it's terrible. Yeah, but. it's horrible. The oh. next thing I kind of want to talk about, and uh, the big thing to the Yankees, and I think this is the last thing we talk about, is their bullpen. And we all know their bullpen is very good. I don't need you don't need me to tell you that, uh, but I will anyways because my job. So they they have a great bullpen. They did lose uh, Dylan Batanzas. They had him for all of point two innings, uh, and then he got hurt celebrating being back, which is like some sort of cruel irony. But even without him, you're looking at uh, a top four of Aroldis Chapman, Adam Ottavino, Tommy Canley, and Zach Britton, who I described uh, in my write-up as the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and they might as well be, just because uh, they are the right-hand man of uh, the right-hand men, I suppose, of Aaron Boone, and they're going to be the guys, the first guys called on. I, if I remember correctly, Chapman's obviously the closer. Britton's probably going to be the eighth inning guy, and then Canley and Ottavino will play uh, wherever you need them, fireman type of roles. Uh, they're very good. I, you don't need me to tell you that. But what's going to be interesting is that uh, if you look at Britain, you look at Adovino, and you kind of look closer past your ERAs, both of them under two for some reason, uh, they do have high walk rates. Uh, Adovino walking 5.43 per nine and Britain 4.7. So there will be opportunities here. With uh, They will give you some men on base, those guys specifically, and whether or not something can come of it will kind of be the question. And we did see that play out with Britain, if you remember uh, – Go back to that series in Target Field. He walked, I believe it was Marwin Gonzalez, before Miguel Sano hit uh, an absolute tank to center field. That definitely won the game. Don't look up anything that happened after that. Uh, so there there may be some opportunities here in those guys. Kainley and Chapman are a bit different stories. Chapman, I mean, we all know the role of Chapman. And Kainley throws 90-mile-an-hour change-ups, which is just dumb. But there may be some opportunities here. There may be. It's going to be tough, though. Yeah, and Chapman, when he pitched against the Twins this year, walked the bases loaded and allowed a sack fly to Polanco to tie the game in the ninth because it was an insane game. I don't know how much you can actually take out of it because of <laughs> so much happened, but just to put the walk rates into perspective, both of them are lower than 
known Twins block man, Trevor May. So, you know, there's <laughs> that for all you people. But, Ooh. yeah, the, the Yankees bullpen has obviously just been great this year. But uh, this is from Nick Nelson in his uh, just, I don't remember what post, but on Twins Daily, it was a top second half bullpen war. Twins have the highest bullpen war in the second half, 4.8, by higher than any other team, and it's the second place is Tampa Bay at 3.7, so a full 1.1 point or 1.1 WAR higher than any other team in the second half. So Twins have a dangerous bullpen as well. Is that our WAR? We're kind of weird. Um, I would assume F4. I don't know. Well, because F4, the Rays are point one ahead. The Twins are uh, – so the Rays are at really? uh, four point. Wait, is that since the All-Star break? Is that what he said, or what was the range there? Yeah, top second half ERA. Oh, second half. Okay, I was looking at since August. That's my oh. bad. Oh. That is my bad. Well, maybe it is true. <laughs> uh, if you, I mean, if you look at the numbers as a whole, then, yeah, the Yankees are slightly better. Yeah, okay, he's right. Since the All-Star break, the Twins do have the highest, 4.8. Rays are 3.7. Yankees also have 3.7. Uh those are, uh, of course, F4 is peripherals. Ship, not ERA. ERA, the Twins are a bit higher, but, uh, of course, they've always had the strikeouts and the, the lack of walks, and that's why Ship loves them. So that that will come into play, uh, although over a smaller sample size, I'm I'm not sure if you can, like, differentiate uh, what, what's the difference. 1.1 more, because that's, like, <laughs> Two, that's like 200 innings, uh, 270 for the Twins bullpen, 322 for the Yankees over that time period, and you're just like condensing that into uh, I don't know how many, like 15 to 20 innings out of the bullpen. So it's, you know, don't use war like that. But it is very interesting. Yeah, I suppose you're right. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. <laughs> and, so. of course, as we all expected, we'll be watching um, Tyler Duffy and uh, Zach Wattel and Sergio Romo come in in the late innings of a Twins-Yankees playoff series in 2019. Just like we all thought in May. Yeah. <laughs> but I won't be worried about it. Like, I'll, I'll enjoy exactly. it when they come in. <laughs> yeah, it'll be – what a strange event. This game is in good hands. It is wild. I mean, this is a complete aside, but to like look at the bullpen at the start of the year and now, and you're just like, oh my god, this is what happened. I mean, you're looking at Mike, Mike Morin, Matt McGill, Blake Parker, Adalberto Mejia, and then we've gone to like Oof. these guys. We're at we're at the point where like Cody Stashak. You're like, okay, I trust Cody Stashak. I mean, yeah. know who he was at the start of the year, but oh man. All I remember is, like, in December, seeing something from Twins Daily being like, maybe Cody Stashek can make an impact this year, and that's all I ever – that's the only thing I ever heard of him. And then here he is. <laughs> here he He's is. making an impact. Yeah. All those other pitchers you mentioned, I mean, they weren't great. They're not – are any of them in the playoffs still? I don't think so. Uh, uh something. Off the top of my head, no. Yeah, me neither, so. I hate it. But that's going to be that. I, I don't really have much more. Regarding that, uh, I did go. Mm-hmm. I did go in a bit more detail in my write-up. Uh, so if you want to go do that, go go read that. Yeah, I was gonna just say, do we have any injury news to touch on? I mean, not really. I guess what everyone's probably already heard. <laughs> what everyone's already heard, yeah. And again, uh, the twins are just like being as quiet as possible. Uh, have heard nothing about Arias beyond like he seems fine, and then uh, yeah. Nothing beyond Kepler and Marwin besides, like, even if they're not ready to go, they're going to pump them up with the highest quality stuff they have and just send them out there. Because there's no way that they don't. Yeah, Kepler, 
he promised he'd be playing. Like, I mean, I think we all knew he would. Him and Marwin just, you know, just kind of one of those things. And you know, they're gonna throw him out there no matter what. So, yeah. pretty good. Adrianza is apparently he. I mean, he himself. I don't know if we can rely on that, but maybe he's, I don't know why he'd lie, but you know, maybe he said he's a hundred percent ready to go. So, I probably won't put him on the roster, but. <laughs> I mean, if Arise doesn't make it, I wouldn't be surprised if Adrianza's not on, and vice versa. If Arise makes it, Adrianza won't. That's what I'll say. Ooh, there's a, there's a take. Um, I don't want to think about that, but that's an interesting take. Again, I'm kind of reminded of uh, earlier in the season when uh, Nelson Cruz suffered his, like, uh, when he, like, ruptured his tendon or whatever. And he was like, I, guys, I swore I'm fine. And Rocco's still like, you know, we might activate him on Monday. It could be a possibility. And they end up activating him anyways, but there's this interesting dynamic this year between the guys being like, I swear on my life I've never felt better. And then the twins are just like, well, you know, <laughs> maybe. And it's like, okay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if if Arise can come back after what looked like a, you know, everyone was saying torn ACL or torn UCL or torn everything, his toes about to fall off. And then, hey, I'm back. <laughs> hey, I'm back. What's up? Yeah. No, you got to love it. Happen. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's, that's it from us then. It was uh, that. Uh, have fun watching the game or don't have fun because it's going to be awfully nerve-wracking. But uh, it'll happen nonetheless. So there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, I mean, I'll be on Twitter. I don't know about you. <laughs> we've we've already been over this. I'm just going to be like a hermit, just sitting, like, yes. watching in the dark, just, like, nodding at everything that occurs. It's like, yes, okay, all right. Yeah, oh, all right. man. So, I, I can't. Yeah, I'll be active. It'll be great. Great no, fun. I can't do that. Well, that will not be me, but I understand other people. So uh, that's it. Good talk. Uh, yeah, I look forward to the series. Yeah, we'll be back uh, hopefully Sunday night if everything pans out correctly. So, yeah. Yes, hopefully. Yes, hopefully. So, uh, I guess have have a good day. Have fun. See you. Woo.